All right, let's go to the book of Psalms, please. Chapter 37, the 37th Psalm. We're beginning a new series today known as Rest in the Lord, Trusting a Faithful God. Now, I have been guilty in the past, especially as a young adult, to mistake just chilling for true and genuine rest. Way back then, to relax, maybe I might uh, watch some sports. Used to love to watch the Rams. Lived toward Southern California and would watch Roman Gabriel, number 18, throw out there to Jack Snow and the fearsome foursome. I used to love to watch those guys. Or to relax, I might shoot some baskets. That is, uh, everything went well until uh, I realized that homework from English 1A was due. And that College of Sequoia's teacher was no joke. And that class was hard. And even though I um, watched some games and shot a few baskets, honestly, um, I wasn't really finding true rest. And certainly nothing wrong with appropriate chilling. Yet unfortunately, many of us mistake um, sleep for rest, or we mistake uh, just hanging out for true and genuine rest. And yet we're commanded in Scripture to rest in the Lord. Literally, to rest in the Hebrew language means to just be still or take a step back or to stop, cease from labor, mentally really, or to be held in spot by another object. Life is so often filled with busyness, family concerns, loneliness, financial struggles, and so much more. And we often allow ourselves to just get full of anxiousness or then stress and we, uh, it just kind of snowballs. We can't seem to find any rest. I mean, we think, well, maybe I'll just go to sleep and it'll be better when I wake up. But sleep doesn't seem to take care of it. Or going on a little vacation doesn't seem always to take care of it. Well, maybe for a few minutes, well, I'm distracted. But the Lord has a much better way. And He assured us that no matter what we go through, and life is just filled with stuff. I mean, we can't be human and not have things just come into our life. But yet God wants us to have sweet and blessed and wonderful rest. Even in the most trying of times, God says, I want you to rest in the Lord, rest in His faithfulness. We're going to talk about a blessed rest, uh, that glorious uh, sleep. The Bible says He gives His beloved sleep. And I'm sure that means a good night's rest at times, and that's always a blessing, isn't it? But uh, we're going to talk about genuine rest. Speaking about that, I read this cute story this week about a Sunday school teacher who asked the children just before she dismissed. They were dismissing Sunday school, about ready to go into church. And she said, and now, children, why is it necessary to be quiet in church? And little Annie replied, because people are sleeping. <laughs> and... Uh, well, I hope that you wake up for this message so that you can learn how to really sleep. 
All right, so let's bow for prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the blessed rest you promised. And Lord, we do pray that you would just give us the grace to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalm 37, please. The 37th Psalm, verse number one. Let's all read that verse together here, verse number one. Let's read it out loud. Ready, begin. Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Fret not thyself. God knows human nature. He created human nature with all these emotions. He did it so that, and passions and desires. He did it so that we would have a hunger to climb those mountains and to conquer those battles. Without these passions within us, we would be just inert lumps of mud that did nothing. God wants us to do something. He gives us the blessed feelings of romance so that we'll desire somebody and then get married and have children because God desires godly seed. God put all these wonderful passions within us. But so often these passions also get the best of us. We're so prone to worry. We're so prone to anxiety and being upset, overthinking everything. I do that so much. And so God gives the answer in verse number seven. Verse number seven, please. Let's read that verse together. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way. Because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Rest in the Lord. Now, genuine rest only belongs to God's people. People who say, oh, we're just chilling or resting or we're going on a holiday or we're going on a vacation. The fact is they don't truly get genuine rest. Only God's people get genuine rest. And yet for many of us, sad to say, we don't rest a fraction of what we could. And so as I read this uh, passage recently, and that little statement, rest in the Lord, rest in the Lord. I knew I'd read that several times in the scripture. And so I began to think about what it really means to rest in the Lord. And so for the next three Sundays, we're going to take three of the great passages in scripture here in Psalm 37 and then in Matthew 28, where Jesus said, come to me and find rest. And then in Hebrews chapter 4, where the author reminds us that the only way to find joy is to enter into the Sabbath of God, the rest of God. And so we're going to examine these three passages, the Lord willing, over the next three Sundays. But today, Psalm 37. Now we know it's a Psalm of David, that's what the superscription says, but what we're not told is the timing of it. Bible scholars uh, generally believe that this psalm was written when David was an older man. Now, you don't have to be old to love the Lord. You don't have to be old to be wise. But I will say that getting older in the Lord does at least give you some experiences that maybe you can look back on and say, you know what, that was just stupid. <laughs> that just didn't come to be. And so at a time like this, David is saying, you know, I have, I've been there. I mean, you name it, it has happened to me. I've made the mess of it myself. I've had enemies come at me. You name it. I've just had every kind of a crazy thing happen to me. 
And every time I saw the dark clouds begin to just ball up and think I was going to get rained on, somehow, some way, God got me through it. How did that happen? And what does it mean to rest in the Lord? Well, first of all, let's talk about the steps to rest. Four ways to build a trusting heart. Number one, fret not. It just simply says, fret not thyself. Now that's pretty powerful because what God is saying here is that we are fretting it on ourselves. Nobody else is making you fret. You are fretting yourself. Fret not thyself. Evildoers aren't making you fret. The workers of iniquity aren't making you fret. God isn't making you fret. The devil isn't making you fret. You are fretting yourself. Fret not thyself. David is speaking to himself here, and he is saying, first of all, I am preaching to myself. Don't worry. Trust God. Trust God. And then he is talking to the people that are around him. He said, you know, over the years, I've looked out there and seen all those evil people doing bad things. And he said, they just seem to prosper. In fact, sometimes they prosper more than God's people. He says, I don't get it. They do bad things, and God just seems to just pour out stuff on them. They have, in other places it talks about, they have all kinds of family around them. They have money. They have popularity. They have beauty. He said, what in the world is going on? So he was fretting at the evildoers. He was just getting all worked up about them. And then he was really fretting at God because, you know, maybe God somehow was not as caring and not as loving, and he didn't care about him like he thought he ought to. And then I'm sure he was just fretting at himself for fretting. He was just all upset. And he said, why am I fretting against myself? Kind of reminds me of the guy who was banging his head on the wall and was saying, man, this hurts. And the guy, another fellow came to him and said, why are you hitting your head against the wall? He said, because it feels so good when I stop. And that seems like a lot of times what we do when we worry. We're just like, why are you worrying? Because I feel better when I worry. You know, we don't feel better really. An older American woman gave a testimony, Christian woman. She'd always dreamed of flying to Europe. Finally, she got the chance to fly to Paris. And so after boarding the plane, she kept fretting about everything. She didn't like the the scenery out there. She didn't seem like she could see it very well. She didn't like the temperature in the plane. She didn't like the seat assignment. The leg room was no good for her. The food didn't taste good. She always was rearranging herself, and the air didn't seem to be on right, and she didn't seem to have the service. The people didn't seem to be very nice around there. And I mean, she fussed for hour after hour. All of a sudden, they came on the intercom and said, we're about ready to land. We want you to get ready. She could not believe she was ready to land. She landed, got out of the plane, met her person she was going to see there, and she said, you know, I don't believe it. If I had realized I was going to arrive so soon, I wouldn't have wasted my time fussing so much. And you know, I think that's a pretty good statement about where we're at. You know, if we realized how soon we were get to heaven, I don't think we'd spend all the time fussing. I've told my wife many a time, I've said, you know what? I don't want any issues. I don't want any problems. I don't want any heartaches because life is too short. 
It's too short to argue, too short to have trouble, too short to have situations, you know. Let's just focus on Jesus. Let's work, let's do this thing together. How many of us waste time fretting? So God says, first of all, the first step to resting in the Lord is just don't fret. Don't fret yourself. Number two, trust and do. Verse number three, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. God wants us to trust in the Lord. Trust in Him emotionally. Trust in Him mentally and spiritually. My God is good. My God is great. My God is merciful. I was very blessed as we were singing together this morning because we were singing about all those same things, the mercy of God, the beauty of God, the love of God. And yet God says it's not enough to just trust. He said you need to do good because the fact is you can't just trust God mentally and then go out and live like we please. God wants us to trust in the Lord and do good. It's been said we only believe what we do. I believe in going to church, not if you don't go to church. <laughs> I, believe in, uh, I believe in witnessing, well, not if we don't witness. We only believe in that which we do. To rest is doing something spiritual. True rest comes from doing something spiritual. Do something. I, wanna, I won't find rest and do something. <laughs> it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? You mean I find rest by doing? Yes, that's exactly right. It is exactly the opposite of the world's rest. The world's rest says do nothing. I just want to take some time off and do nothing. You won't find rest then because God wants us to do something. Trust is a rest of the mind, one said. It is to the spirit what sleep is to the body. Trust is a rest of the mind. Now, God says, if you will trust and do, I will provide for you handsomely. Notice what it says here. He said, you will be fed. Dwell in the land and be fed. He didn't say you'll live in a palace and you'll have uh, five-star meals. He just simply said anything and everything you need will be yours. We find rest by serving Jesus. And we serve Jesus by serving people. A wealthy American traveler visited a hospital in Southeast Asia. He walked in just as a young missionary nurse was cleaning the sores of a sick and elderly man who they had found lying in a gutter. It was just frankly disgusting. The man said to the nurse, I'll tell you one thing, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. And she looked at him quietly but firmly as a dear Christian, and she said, neither would I. The fact is money couldn't buy her devotion to Jesus. She found true genuine rest by serving God through serving others. Fret and uh, if you want to keep this outline uh, symmetrical, like I like to do it, you can put fret and not. <laughs> Trust and do. And then delight, number three, and desire. Number three, to delight and desire. Trust and do. Delight and desire, or fret and not. <laughs> Verse four, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee desires of thine heart. When God, when we make God, His church, His Word, 
serving him, our heart's delight, then God said, you can have your heart's desire. Now, if, our, if the delight of my life is to play a sport, if the delight of my life is, you know, chilling or going out over here, if the delight of my life is, you know, my job, then I can't have my heart's desire. But God said, if, you're, if the greatest joy of your heart is serving God and seeing his kingdom grow, then you can have your heart's desire. God promises to sign any check that a person whose heart is on the Lord would write. Dwell on the Lord. Stay away from negative people. Negative people, sadly, even Christian negative people, complainers will destroy your rest. God said, rest in the Lord. Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight thyself in the Lord and and desire the things of God. An old, uh, a young monk joined a monastery and uh, as a result of that took a vow of silence. After the first 10 years, his superior called him in and said, do you have anything to say? The monk said, food bad. After about 10 years, the monk again had an opportunity to voice his thoughts. And the supervisor said, what do you think? He said, bed hard. Another 10 years went by and he's called in for your superior. And he said, it's anything uh, you have to say? And he said, I quit. The supervisor said, well, it doesn't surprise me a bit. You've done nothing but complain ever since you got here. And the truth is, you know, complainers really do just destroy our rest. God said, delight in the Lord, in the things of God. And then any desire you have, you will find. I will take care of it. Fret, not trust and do. Delight and desire and commit and trust. Verse 5. What does it mean to rest in the Lord? What are the steps to resting in the Lord? Commit and trust. Commit thy way. Everything that you come across in your way. Tomorrow when you wake up, there's going to be things that are going to be in your way. I mean, in the path that you take, I'm going to commit it to the Lord. And then I'm going to trust Him, and He'll bring it to pass. Commit literally means to roll it upon the Lord. Basically, and you could really just say, it's just saying to the Lord, it's your problem, not mine. It's just saying, Lord, this is your problem. Don't take that monkey. Don't Put it upon your shoulders. Roll it off of ourselves. It's above our pay grade. Trust is just simply saying, Lord, I give this to you because he is a faithful God. I just give that burden to the Lord. I was reading to our worship team before in our little prayer time before services today, a passage in Psalm 38, where David said, Lord, this is a burden. It's too heavy for me. That's one of the smartest things we can ever say. It's too heavy for me. It's just too heavy. And so often we don't want to burden the Lord. We don't want to bug the Lord. And the Lord's like, really? You don't want to burden me? I can, I'll carry this. It's like some of my children used to, you know, have a little board or something, you know, and they'd be struggling, you know, and take it across the backyard. I'd go out and try to help them. I'd do it. It's like, but I do it. Okay, fine. And that's what I might, you know, I've got my little burden and I'm just kind of dragging it across the way. And God says, well, I'll help you. No, I'll take care of it, God. I don't need you. God says, roll that burden on the Lord. It is so important to commit it to the Lord. Let's just commit this to the Lord. You know, not only the big things, but the small things. I'm just going to commit it 
to the Lord. I remember the testimony of one Christian brother. He had finally gotten the car that uh, he had so needed. And uh, he had heard that you should dedicate your car and all of your things really to the Lord. And so he said, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And so he prayed and he committed his car to the Lord. He dedicated his car to the Lord. He unburdened it off of him and he gave his car back to God. He realized everything and every good gift we have is from the hand of God. And so he committed his car to the Lord. He felt very happy as he went to bed that night that he had done what he's supposed to do. He had committed his car to the Lord. He felt very grateful that he had this car. The next morning he wakes up, comes out only to see that his car had gotten smashed during the night. Unbelievable. Just had gotten this car and it's been smashed. He stood there looking at that car and then remembered what he had done the day before, that he had committed it to the Lord. And so he just looked up to God and he said, God, look what they did to your car. <laughs> and that's exactly true, folks. It is God's car. Man, Lord, look what they did to your car. Look what they did. And you know, when we commit our way to the Lord, God says that he will and trust him to take care. He's a lot smarter than we are. The steps to rest. Now, not only the steps to rest, but the sense of rest. What does it really mean to rest in the Lord? Verse 7, rest in the Lord. I believe there are at least five aspects of what it means to rest in the Lord. I believe it is a certainty. It is a certainty, a fixed belief in the blessedness of the gospel. My eternal security is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I think it is a foundation of a certain fact of my eternal security. I am saved. Like the hymn we sing, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child, and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, redeemed, redeemed, His child, and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of Him all the day long. I sing, for I cannot be silent. His love is a theme of my song. You know, I think it's so sad when I find people that have been influenced by that school of theology that uh, thinks that, you know, we can gain our salvation one day and then lose it next week. I tell you what, that'd be a sad way to live. I'll tell you one thing, I'd never be secure if that was the case, because I know how ornery I am. And I know the thoughts of my mind and my heart. That'd be a terrible way to live that, boy, this week I'm saved and next week I'm lost. Brother, I have been redeemed like we just sang a minute ago, not in part, but the whole of my sin has been nailed to the cross. I'll never face it again. Folks, it is a certainty that no matter what else happens, I am saved. Boy, you read the book of 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. And the beloved John, who was the, the one who leaned on Jesus' breast, he is so dogmatic. If you realize how many times he says the word, no, I know this. <laughs> I know that you can be saved, and I know that we have the love of God. I know this. <laughs> well, what happened to him? Because he got full of the fact that he was saved. I remember years ago talking to a Roman Catholic priest, and I'm not here to bash the Roman church or, uh, 
some of those priests, but I, this poor sad fellow, I was interviewing him for a little thing we were doing, and, and I knew that I wanted to give him the gospel or ask about his salvation. So after I'd talked to him a little bit, I said, you know what, I asked you a question. I said, if you were to die right now, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And he was a man who'd spent all of his life in church. He had gone to seminary. Here he was uh, leading this parish of people. And I asked him, do you know that you're going to heaven? And he looked at me and he said, well, I hope so. I said, you hope so? Man, what a way to live. I thought, how sad to every day wake up hoping to go to heaven. Brother and sister, we don't have to hope so. We can know. We can know we're going to heaven. And that is a certainty. I'm resting in my salvations in the Lord. And I believe that resting in the Lord is a certainty about my eternal security. I believe, number two, it is a certainty, a contentment, a contentment with my lot in life, a satisfaction, really. Now, God has given us drive. He has given us passions. He's given us a hunger to see things accomplished, enthusiasm, and that's good. But an unhealthy ambition or greed will spoil your rest. There comes a time, folks, where we simply have to say the word enough. Enough. Say with the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 8, having food and raiment, I'm content. Having food and raiment, I'm content. But many of us would not be content with just food and raiment. Many of us have to have this or have that. But God said, just be content with food and raiment. The Apostle Paul reminded the Philippian church, I have learned whatever state I am to be content. Philippians 4 and verse 11. God says, you know what? If you'll just, if you'll just realize that I've given you everything to make you happy. God has given me everything I need today to be happy. Say that to yourself. God has given me everything I need today to be happy. I don't need anything else to make me happy. Now, that doesn't mean we can't have desires. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the fact is, I can be happy in the Lord with what God's given me today. One father from a very wealthy family decided he was going to help his son and really uh, teach him and help him to understand just really how good he had it. And so he decided to take a trip into the countryside. He spent, uh, they spent a couple days on a very simple farm and what would be considered a very poor family. On the return from the trip, the father asked the son, he said, well, how was the son? How was the trip, son? And it was very it was good, dad. I loved it. Did you, what did you think about how all the poor people live? And he said, oh, yes, uh, I, I saw how they live. So he said, son, tell me what you learned. He said, well, I saw that we have one dog and they have four. I learned that we have a pool that reaches to the middle of our garden, but they have a creek that has no end. We have imported lanterns in our garden, and they have stars at night. We have servants who serve us, but they serve others. Our patio reaches to the front yard, but they have the whole horizon. We buy our food, but they grow theirs. We have walls around our property to protect us, but they have friends to protect them. And the boy's father was speechless, and then the son said, Thanks, Dad, for showing me how poor we really are. 
The truth is, you know, if we can be, we just be content with whatever we have, we can, we're resting in the Lord. It is confidence that when trials come, and they will, it is confidence that we serve a loving God. We serve a wise God. We serve a just God. And I am certain that somehow, someway, it will get me through. God always does that. One way or the other, God sees me through. There was a man returning from a foreign country. He was going through the security line. He was holding some food and some cheese. And the inspector said, I'm sorry, sir, you cannot bring that cheese into the country. This cheese is very expensive. He loved it. And he said to the inspector, he argued with the man for a few minutes. Finally, the man said, I will tell you one thing. I am bringing it into this country. You just watch. So he walked to the back of the line. He ate the cheese. And then he walked right on through the line. One way or the other, we're going to get through this, aren't we? I don't know how God's going to do it, but a confidence in God is one way or other. We're going to make it through. Someone once said that fear really is nothing more than confidence in the devil. Fear is really nothing more than just confidence in the devil. You know what? I don't want to be confident in the devil. I want to be confident in God. And that's what trust is. Confident that God never makes mistakes and he'll never forsake us. Certainty, contentment, confidence. And number four, it is consent. It is submission to the will of God. Actually, the Hebrew word resting means to be silent before the Lord. To be silent before the Lord or to consent and submit to the will of God. You may remember the Old Testament story of the two men, Nadab and Abihu, who offered strange fire on the altar. It's kind of a remote story, but God was very angry at what they did because, uh, well, among other things, they were drunk uh, and uh, sad, but they were, they were, that's what alcohol does. I've never known alcohol to be good for anything other than cleaning sores and uh, if you're ready to die. But um, these guys were drunk, and they went into the temple, and they just got any old fire and went and lit the incense, and it was not supposed to be done that way. Anyway, God killed them. Well, do you know who Nadab and Abihu were? They were the sons of Aaron. Aaron was obviously not happy. I mean, you know, you even no matter how much you might think your children deserve it, you know, you, that's not going to make you feel good. And listen to the story, though. I'll read you two verses. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 2. And they went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Moses, Aaron's brother, then speaks to Aaron, his older brother. And he stops him in his tracks. And he said, this is the Lord speaking. I will be sanctified in them that come nigh to me. And before all the people, I will be glorified. Moses said to his brother, I know you're upset. And I know this is not easy for you. But God is displaying his glory that nobody comes near to him without the proper sacrifice. This was a symbol of salvation. And notice the next words, and Aaron held his peace. He consented to that which would be the most terrible blow that any of us 
had ever had to face. His own sons died at the hands of a consuming fire. God, who said, you can't do that. I don't care who you are. You cannot come to heaven, which was a symbol. You cannot come with strange fire, only fire from the throne of God. Salvation is only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Aaron held his peace. He was consenting to the things of God. There is a holier, sweeter rest than the lulling rest from pain, a deeper calm than that which sleep sheds over heart and pain. It is the soul's surrendered choice, the settling of the will, lying down gently at the cross, God's purpose to fulfill. It is certainty, it is contentment, it is confidence, it is consent, and it is calmness. Resting in the Lord is just waiving my rights to my own will. It is just resting in God's plan. There's a passage in the book of Genesis chapter 8 when the Bible says that Noah sent out a dove. And the dove uh, went everywhere. And all the dove could find was nothing, no place to rest her feet. She found no rest in the world, the troubled seas of the world. A dove, which was a symbol of the Christian, sent out, come back to Noah, whose name means rest. The dove went everywhere and couldn't find any peace because the world was too troubled. It was a troubled sea. And she finally came back and found rest in Noah. And I will say here this morning, if you're here this, today and you've been running from God and you've been thinking this world has something that the church and God can't give you, you're just kidding yourself. You will never find rest. You can go to every kind of a vacation. You can get the best bed. You can have every kind of an apparatus to sleep, but you'll never find rest because true rest comes in God. It is a comfort to put our, and a calmness in God the steps to rest, the sense of rest, and finally, the subject of our rest. In verse number seven, it says, rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. Not rest in the fact that I've got a good bank account more than I had last week. It's not rest in the fact that I've got a good job or I've got a family. Even those things are certainly nothing wrong with even being happy about but the fact is, I am resting in the Lord. First of all, I'm resting in His promise. Notice what it says, resting in who? Jehovah. That's what the word means. I'm resting in Jehovah. That's a covenant word. God said, rest in the fact that I have a covenant with you. And God doesn't break His covenant. Now, politicians may break their covenant. And many people in this world break their promises, but I will tell you one thing, Jehovah God will never break his covenant. He said, rest in the fact that you have a covenant with God. And every person who's ever gotten saved is part of that covenant people. There's even some churches that call themselves a covenant church. I'm not sure what their, all their theology is, but I will tell you one thing, it's a good name because we are a covenant people. We are in a covenant with God. Never lose heart. Because the one who is committed 
as our divine groom has said, I will protect you, I will provide for you. When last week when our staff member John Burnett, after all these years, married his precious little bride there, and he stood up there and he said, I promise I will provide for you and I will protect you. And I will tell you one thing, I know John enough to know that that guy would die before he would let his dear wife go without. He will protect her to the death. And if that's true for a human, how 10,000 times more for the fact I am in a covenant relationship with Jehovah God. I am in a covenant relationship with him. And that's why God said rest in his promise and then rest in his person. Rest in the thought of who he is. I know one thing, he's a merciful God. That's his person. That's just who he's like. Sometimes people say something about Pauline, they may say something about me, and Pauline will just say, you know, that just doesn't sound like my husband. She knows me. She's, she understands me, I think. And, and that's what God, but God does understand us, and God does take care of us, and God is saying, look, we're saying about God, I'll know you one thing, he is a merciful God. When something good happens, many times I'll say, man, Lord, thank God for the mercy of God. Because I, look, I know what a rascal I am. And if it would not for the mercy of God, I wouldn't, des- I don't deserve anything. Some of these newfangled songs, some of them sang, some of the folks sang, and some of the newfangled theology people have where they say, you know, oh, I'm just so special to God. You know, I know we are, but sometimes I want to go, eh. Honestly, you and I deserve to go to hell. We deserve the wrath of God. And the only reason God desires me and loves me is because of his mercy. That's why. It is, there's nothing in me. God, uh, God likens, he says, uh, your righteousness, uh, <clears throat> it's like filthy rags. Um, and I won't even discuss what that really is. It's just, you couldn't even, it's, you couldn't say it in a mixed group. Filthy rags. God said, that's your righteousness. I don't desire your righteousness I'm a merciful God, and I love you. I rest in his immutability. He never changes. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's always been a God of love. He's not now a God of love and used to be a God of law. He's always been a God of love, and he's always been a God of justice. I rest in his faithfulness. Romans chapter 4 and verse 21, being fully persuaded... That which he promised, he was able to perform. I rest in his promise. I rest in his person. And finally, I rest in his plan. What does it mean to rest in the Lord? It means I just, you know what? He's made a covenant promise to me. I know his nature. He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a wise God. I can trust him. And then finally, I trust his plan. I rest in the will of God, whatever it is. It is good. It is good. It's good because God has a good will. Now, does it mean that I can't have a desire about something? No, of course not. I mean, if someone you love is very sick, to rest in the Lord doesn't mean that you don't care if they get well or if they die. That's not resting in the Lord. 
If you're poor, and you'd say, well, I don't care whether I'm rich or poor. I don't know that that's the case. I think, you know, if, if we can have uh, some extra that we can be a blessing and a, uh, easier on our life, I'm certainly nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with desiring health over sickness. Nothing wrong with desiring wealth over poverty. Nothing wrong with desiring friendship over loneliness. Nothing wrong with those desires. And God's not saying you can't have any will. What He's saying is you have to give everything to His veto power. That's just simply what it is. It's just it is what it is. It's what saying with Christ when they were wanting to prematurely take his life, he said, no, not my will, but thine. He was saying, now, Lord, I, I don't want to do this, but if whatever you want. He was willing to let God be in charge. And that's really what resting is. It's just saying, God, you're in charge. Whatever you say, I'm going to commit it to the Lord, and I'm going to rest in the Lord. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.